Hello, I'm Stuart Craner, and this is a Thinkers 50 podcast. Today, I'm talking at the European Business Forum in Denmark with Jonas Riddestrale. Jonas is the co-author of Funky Business and Karaoke Capitalism, and the co-author most recently of Fast Forward with Julian Birkinshaw from London Business School. Jonas, welcome. Thank you. Uh, we greatly enjoyed your, your talk today. And you were talking about the, the fact that organizations are still run by men, for, for men, and it's, it's a bit depressing, really, isn't it, that no progress or limited progress seems to be made in that? On the surface, yes. But if you, I mean, take a global perspective on things, um, I, I think the development we're going to see has very little to do with feminism, equality, all of that stuff, but rather has something to do with, with, with hard facts. If we travel in time, go back 40, 45 years, we go to a poor developing country somewhere in the world, in Asia, in Africa, and, and take a look at a young woman and her prospects. Life expectancy back then, probably around 45 years, she's going to have something like 10 to 12 kids, where of course uh, 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 a large, um, or many of them will not survive. They will never reach adolescence. But in essence, you can describe her life using the old 80-20 rule. 80% of her life will be devoted to kids, giving birth to kids, taking care of kids, and she will start not when she has her first child, but in all likelihood she will have to take care of her siblings. Uh, that was then, this is now. Go back to the same no longer so poor developing country because uh, thanks to economic development uh, we've seen a huge change just in two generations. Take a look at a young woman today, life expectancy probably more like 65, approaching 70 in some of those countries. Uh, number of kids, uh, three to four, slowly coming down to the 2.47 that we see in, in Western Europe and North America. So, uh, all in all, her life has changed from 80-20 to 2080. 80% of her life today she can do something a little bit different with. And what do young women around the world do with extra time? Well, a lot of them spend it educating themselves. They are studying. So you're optimistic? I am. I mean, if you walk around any university campus in the world, then you will see a lot of young women. and. We know what the young women are up to. They are studying. What the guys are doing, we don't know. But they're not studying to the extent that they used to. And of course, already today, a lot of companies are suffering from a shortage of talent. Give it another five to 10 years, and they will all be suffering from it. And they will have to go fish in a talent gene pool that is dramatically different. There's going to be a war for female talent. So either organizations adapt, they build uh, workplaces where it's fun, where it's developing for young women to spend their time, or they will become defunct. They will go out of business. So your most recent book, Jonas, is, is Fast Forward. And it's one of those books that covers a lot of ground. There's no real elevator pitch for it. So how do you explain what it's about? Uh, the, the walking up the, 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 the staircase rather than being in the uh, elevator. Um, I mean, we've seen a gradual shift over the last 50 years, I guess, from bureaucracy to meritocracy. We've seen new types of organization be begin beginning to dominate the competitive landscape. But the meritocracy is not the end point. So in the book, we write about a new organizational form, the adhocracy, an organizational form that privileges action over knowledge and position, an organizational form that privileges emotion and engagement and commitment over all of that stuff. Because at the end of the day, to run a successful company today boils down to having the ability to shift perspective. Yes, the bureaucracy, the traditional stuff still matters. There is a place for bureaucracy 
democracy. I'm not of the opinion that we necessarily need to kill it, but we need to restrain it. It is the fallback option for still for most companies. But on top of that, we need meritocracy, we need knowledge, we need talent, but we also need decisive action and emotional engagement. And in the book, we try to teach people how to strengthen those, those two dimensions of, 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 of your organization. I, w I would have thought the decisive action is something that most executives would say they've got covered. But the emotional engagement would seem to me to be the, the bigger challenge. Yes and no. Um, I mean, decisive action, but really, if you look at typical CEOs, they take about two important decisions during an entire tenure as, as a CEO. I think decisive action as a routine Yes, but those are mainly the simple questions that you could have artificial intelligence deal with, especially in the future. Uh, by decisive action, we mean jumping uh, a ship that is sailing to, into sort of unknown waters. And, and, and in essence today, uh, a, a lot of the big opportunities are not that obvious. They come with a lot of risk. They're surrounded by a lot of ambiguity. And at, so, and at some point in time, you've got to stop doing the analysis and actually start doing stuff. And that's what we're looking at in the book. But in order to take decisive action, start executing, you also need guts. You need emotional engagement. So Engagement is basically the organizational adrenaline that you need in order to get things going. Do you think organizations have much adrenaline? I mean, you encounter ones that seem pretty adrenaline-free to me. Uh, not, not the good ones and not yeah. the fast ones. I mean, it depends on, on what organizations you look at. I think uh, the business world still has a lot to learn from the world of sports. Because if you look at the best sport teams, they certainly have a lot of adrenaline. If you look at, 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 at rock bands, they have a lot of adrenaline. And I can't really understand why we shouldn't have that also in the world of business. And indeed, if you look at some of the most successful companies out there, uh, they certainly have a lot of adrenaline. Look at Apple, look at Virgin, look at... Look, uh, at a host of organizations that are driven primarily by, by, by emotion. And perhaps it's the wrong sort of adrenaline you actually encounter in companies. is more worry than, than adrenaline. Worry about the, the next quarter's results, for instance. There's a lot of uh, madness and a lot of sadness, but not too much gladness, uh, if you could put it like that. I, I think we need more positive emotions rather than just sort of worry and, 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 and gloom. You mean you've written about emotions and talked about emotions quite a lot in your work, and uh, and you're, you're from Sweden. I've written about it as well. And I'm, from, <laughs> I, I'm from I'm from Britain. <laughs> you're a nation of engineers, and we're a nation of uh, genteel introverts. Yeah. Uh, perhaps that's why. I mean, it, it, it takes one to know one. I mean, yeah. you write about stuff that 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 you miss. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that Swedes are generally. Um, bereft of emotion. Uh, I think we still have this, this Ingmar Bergman kind of uh, shadow hanging over us, but we're supposed to be very sort of depressed and all of that stuff. I, I think if you look at the, the high-tech cluster around Stockholm, where we've seen so many interesting companies come up over the last few years, like Spotify, Skype, just to name uh, two, um, there is definitely an atmosphere of excitement, of joy, uh, of curiosity. Um, I, I think for many years prior to the, uh, the, um, uh, the coming about of the new economy, Swedes experimented, but we experimented more perhaps with alcohol and sex. 
because back then uh, the scarce resource was still very much financial capital which was regulated but in the so-called new economy the knowledge economy uh, where the scarce resource is, is talent um, I think we, we, we sort of we were enabled by a shift to start uh, experimenting also in economic terms and, and we've certainly seen it and the Swedish economy today is, is extremely competitive and, and, and also quite young if you look at, at the new companies that, that, that are around. And when you consider that Sweden is a, a small place, it's got a small population, 8 million? Um, 10. 10 million and they're but they've always been very, um, the Swedes have always been very outward looking in there cause, cause, because they're a small country. Yeah, well, to us, the, the rest of the world has always equaled most of it. I mean, if you look at the large Swedish multinationals who, who that went abroad a uh, hundred years ago, it took two years after you established a subsidiary in Germany and the German subsidiary was larger than, than headquarters. So of course, we've, we've always been used to, to a situation where uh, it's smart to use two ears to listen, to watch, to, to, to scan and, and have a great respect for the fact that uh, you're out there to learn and to pick up new signals and, and, and ideas. Well, we all spend a long time traveling the world, talking to audiences, meet, meeting people. What, what would you describe now as your core competencies? Two things, um, I believe. Um, you shouldn't ask me, you should ask the audience. Um, hopefully you can provide them with a couple of intellectual nuggets. You can uh, add a little bit to their intellectual capital but more act as a janitor or a librarian. I mean, most people already have the kind of knowledge that they need, but it, it lacks structure, which is not, not that strange because we live in, in a very stressful world. So you get all the info that you need, but you rarely have time to make sense of it. So hopefully that's, that's sort of part of my job to bring some structure to, to the mess. Uh, second of all, when you only have 45 minutes to an hour and a half with an audience, there are limits to what you can do intellectually, but emotionally you can add certainly uh, bits and pieces to, to, to the puzzle. So hopefully I, I, I leave an audience with a greater sense of hope, uh, with confidence, with courage, with optimism, uh, so that I leave them uh, a little bit more resilient uh, than they were before I entered their, their minds. And if you can do that, add to both the head and the heart, uh, I, I think you're in 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 um, in a good place. To the the janitor of business ideas. Uh, janitor, librarian uh, slash uh, shrink, <laughs> therapist. <laughs> so where, where does your work go next? You've just just published a book. Do you have a, a five year plan? No, in fact, I a don't one year plan. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't even have a five day plan. Uh, but, you, but you've worked as a, an entrepreneur as well, and, and you've been very successful in, in that. And there's not, there's not many business thinkers who actually uh, put their, their money where their ideas are. No, that was fun, um, actually, to, to test out and to try out some of, 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 of your ideas. I, I, together with some, some former colleagues, ran a management training and development company that we sold two years ago. Um, I don't know what's in the cards. I mean, I, I, I still have this dream of having two lives within one. So maybe I should do something completely different. It may be breeding horses. It may be running a gallery. It may be uh, retraining to become an architect or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I do know that I try every year to make a positive choice. So I don't want to end up just doing what I've always done for the sake of 
just doing it. Uh, and I think there's a risk, there's a competency trap that means that over time you dig a hole that becomes deeper and deeper and deeper and then at the end of the day you no longer uh, do it because you love it but you do it because you can do it and because you've always done it. So I try every year to sit down and have a conversation with myself and and those who are close to me and and try to figure out what what would I like to do in, in, in the next year. I haven't had that discussion with myself yet because I tend to have it during vacation, which in Sweden tends to be June. Uh, but uh, once I've decided, uh, I'll, I'll let you know, uh, let you know, uh, July. Um, Research-wise, I'm not sure, um, really, where to go next. Um, uh, an idea that I've been playing around with, that we do, when we write a little bit about it in, in Fast Forward, is the... Um, the implications for corporate governance, uh, because I'm interested in in the uh, the birth of a limited company and what it did for the uh, industrial economy, how how by minimizing individual risk we maximized societal risk taking, and it made sense in an era uh, where uh, financial capital certainly was the scarcest resource. But what kind of institution? Uh, would be the ideal vehicle in a world in which knowledge, talent, or perhaps even emotional engagement is the most critical resource. Uh, and I think the limited company was perfect for the industrial society, but we're still trying to figure out from a corporate governance and institutional point of view, what's the ideal um, instrument for, for the knowledge area. So while we've been talking a lot about how hierarchies are crumbling and we're getting networks and bureaucracy gave way to, to, to meritocracy, I think we still need to think a lot about what, um, what the institutional implications of the shift could, could actually be. So we need to create corporations fit for the 21st century. Yeah, and we need to. I mean, we need to find the proper packaging for organizations. I think the inside stuff we're getting to terms with. We're developing the leadership styles, and we're developing the the, the processes that are necessary for for. Um, combining and recombining knowledge, but the packaging still still um, um, there's a lot of work to be done, I believe. Jonas Rudestrella, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. That was a Thinkers 50 podcast. Thinkers 50 podcasts are produced by KDH Creative.